This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. One one more problem, like I think we have to talk about. You mentioned uh, goalies, you know, bailing them out, which they've done in the past. That has not happened recently. Like Lena Salmark and Jeremy Swayman have. Uh, Swayman has a 904 save percentage since the All Star break. Allmark 903. That's literally league average. League average is 904. The way the Bruins are built and the way they've invested in goalies, like you need better than league average. And yeah, I'm just talking about, you know, like a three week stretch here. So obviously on the season as a whole, Allmark and Swayman have been very good. But it's another thing where it's like, if they were really on top of their games right now, we also might not be have, talking about so many blown leads. Like, Elmark just gave away a goal last night on the, you know, Bruins are shorthanded and he tries to clear it up the middle, shoots it right into Jordan Eberle for a goal. And it's like, there's that. And then you mentioned a point shot. Vince Dunn, there, now there might have been a little bit of a moving screen, um, rewatching it again this morning, but it's still, you know, a shot from kind of the upper left circle that beats him under the glove. It doesn't look great. You know, I didn't think Allmark looked very good in Calgary either. Swayman had a rough game in Edmonton. I thought he was better in Vancouver. But, you know, they're not getting that extra save that they need right now either. So that's that's another problem in all this is that, you know, they are a team that's very reliant on their goaltending. And right now it's, you know, it's just been average. Yeah, and, and I don't think people would disagree about that point either. What I was saying, I was saying at different points in the season, they relied on that to bail them out. And basically, you really notice the flaws when there isn't that spectacular save by Allmark, like diving or, or swaying like coming out and, and making a huge stop. But um, at different times, there have been things that saved them. Pasternak being one of them, like uh, goaltending being one of them. Not necessarily in the stretch, but at different special points. teams being one of them yeah. for the first half of the season. Yeah, penalty and now, killing was great, and now, now really, like both special teams units have been failing them, or you know, at least haven't been good enough. Yeah, and no. they did. They did get a you know they do do get a big power play goal last night. Um, the what we thought was Pasternak's hat trick wound up being tipped by Coyle. So at That's least Charlie. the power play did that. Stole, but... stole another hat trick from Pasta. <laughs> How rude. Well, they've also each given each other a hat trick this season. I know. So I know. I'm sure Charlie, you know, wishes he could just be like, give it to him. I barely got a piece of it. Um, but yeah. I do you want to switch gears to special teams now? Because I do have some thoughts. Power play units got switched up. 
But also there was a key missing piece of their penalty kill in Seattle. And that was Derek Forbert because he missed a team meeting or was late to a team meeting. And Jim Montgomery said that was the reason why he sat against Seattle. Yeah, not not exactly what you want to be doing when you're already kind of struggling to keep your lineup spot and not playing very well. And you have a contract situation and your name's popping up in trade rumors and people are saying, you know, this is an area of the roster that they need to upgrade. Yeah. Missing a team meeting. Uh, not, not a great look. And, you know, for the Bruins, it's, it's the second time it's happened this year. Uh, Jake DeBrusque on the, the first road trip of the season, missed one, got benched for a game. Um, it, it, I gotta say it is kind of amazing to me when guys miss them on the road. Like everyone's in the same hotel. Everyone's in the same spot. I don't, I don't really get how it happens. And yet it seems to happen more on the road than at home. Like I, I could almost understand it more at home where it's like, I don't, you know, maybe someone hits traffic, gets sidetracked by something going on with their kids. Like, I feel like there would be more excuses at home for it. And yet it does seem to happen more on the road. Yeah. I mean, uh, oversleeping maybe like, I feel like that's usually the excuse is oversleeping. Um, cause those, those meetings can be kind of early. And I guess if you have a wife or a girlfriend or a kid, they're probably waking you up. If you're not getting up, like you're, you're awake, your kid woke you up. Um, but, but, uh, maybe, at, maybe they're just sleeping too peacefully without their kids on the road. And they just, they're just snoozing right through. Not that Jake DeBrusk has kids and neither does Derek Forbert. So. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, <laughs> you can't even get away. Like, I don't think nowadays you can even get away with the old, Oh, I didn't change change the time zone on my on my alarm clock or whatever. It's like your phone. Every phone does that automatically now. So yeah. like, yeah. By the like, way, that doesn't really fly. If you've ever been around me in the morning, I have a hundred alarms. I have alarms that wake me up. I have alarms when I'm supposed to take my medication, and there's like five in a row, just in case I'm aloof doing something and and I or I snooze or whatever I have like five alarms from the time of like when I wake up to when I'm supposed to take my medication that's just like Bridget this is what you need to do yeah it's not really a, a valid excuse too, I, too common. I just just one alarm for me that's no no sometimes you just need to make sure that you don't you know See, you probably don't have to take medication that you need. Like, I need to take it. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. So uh, I have, that's why I have 100 alarms. Uh, I don't yeah. think this is Forbert's. This isn't Forbert's excuse, though. Like, it's, it's no. not an excuse for missing. And it's embarrassing, right? Like, you'd think people wouldn't miss it or be late to it because of the embarrassing factor to it. Like, it gives people a reason to be like, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, it, and yeah, I don't know. Like it, I am interested to see if it, you know, is it, I don't know, like held against him or does it make Sweeney, you know, more willing or, or feel more motivated to be like, okay, that's a place where we can, you know, we probably weren't re-signing him in the summer anyways. So there's a chance to move on now and upgrade that spot. Because again, like he has struggled too when he's been on the ice, and you understand he's battled injuries all year. You know, call it an excuse or a reason or whatever. 
like it, it's a factor because I, I I keep going back to it. I feel like it's gotten completely forgotten. I thought Derek Forward actually played pretty well at the start of this season. Like I actually thought he started the year fairly well, and then the injuries lingered and he missed time, and he definitely hasn't looked good since coming back from from that injury, which you know was about what probably six weeks ago at this point. I think it was like mid January. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's you know it, it's a spot that you in the lineup where you circle that and you go that that's like an easy place to look for for an upgrade um i also thought parker weatherspoon played pretty well getting back in um him and kevin shattenkirk on that third pairing so i don't know gonna be interesting to, like i think you almost have to put forward back in just so like you make it clear that it was only a one game benching and you know people don't have to like you know if he sits the next couple of games people are gonna be like Oh, was it actually two or three games? Like, did that one missed meeting basically spell the end of his time in Boston? Um, so I assume he'll be back in on Thursday, but I do wonder, you know, if his his days as a Bruin are are numbered at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair fair question, and it's a, something that everybody kind of thought when they heard. Um, like, I mean, he could have just as easily been healthy scratch and people would have understood it that way. But then when you hear it, it's this more of like a character thing, it gets, it gets compounded with the, the play that hasn't been there. And, um, I still, I'm curious to Razor would probably disagree with you on that too. Uh, he likes shot blocking defensemen, but, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, the, the cons outweigh the pros. If, if the guy is slow and and he's not clearing pucks when he needs to, and he's bad in transition, like you need defensemen that can move the puck and not be liable to, to turn it over in transition. And he's obviously not their best uh, transition defenseman. Yeah. And he's, he's lost guys in coverage. Like he was, he was in the Vancouver game. He was slow getting over to Brock Besser on a set playoff, a face off. Um, You know, he has, hasn't been able to clear guys out. Like it's, it, it's just that even the things that were you know are supposed to be strength of his game and and that have been in the past just don't seem to be there right now. Like, you know, he's a penalty kill specialist, and in the past it's been like, oh, it's noticeable when they don't have him. You know, yeah, the, the numbers the PK are like percentage drops. Well, yeah. now he's he's been in there, he's been killing penalties. And the penalty kill still hasn't been very good. And it's coincided with the down with the drop in the yeah. penalty kill. So uh definitely the argument isn't as strong, right? Like you're you're whatever arguments there are to be had, like they're they're kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think a lot of people would not be upset with a trade of Forbert's contract out. The problem is you know, as Razor says, any cup contending team wants a defender like Derek Forbert and they'd be willing to give. If that's true, that's great right. for the Bruins. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, just probably don't send them in conference, but fine. If there's Western Conference teams that want a Derek Forbert, trade them and then turn around and go get something else with that asset. So. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great news for the Bruins. Um, and yeah, but but then you also we've also talked about how you think they need to add um on defense. But um I wanna talk about the power play shakeup because we're talking about like legitimate shakeups around the roster that they do have before they go externally uh, at the trade deadline, which I'm a little bit surprised. Like sometimes deals happen right around now rather than waiting to the last minute. Um, so we're kind of in a lull right now. There was like a round earlier and now there's kind of a lull. And then we're waiting for this next rapid. It's going to be like a rapid fire few days at the end here. Um, but anyway, uh, that's a different subject. I want to talk about the shakeup on the power play because we we've had this conversation off the podcast. Uh, is Morgan Geeky on the top power play unit and Jake DeBrusque on the top power play unit solving anything? No, I mean, it, it, again, they they scored on the power play on Monday, and it was the only power play they got. So you got to give them credit there, but that was with coil on right like it was it was kind of that it was with the second unit but like some of the first unit was still staying out type thing obviously Pasenak was on the ice so um yeah I don't I don't think Geeky's specifically Geeky I don't think is an answer on the top unit it, it's clear that they are trying to figure out the bumper they've all season long they've rotated through Zaka Coil Geeky and obviously none of them have really run with it. None of them have been great there. There's been times where I think each of them has shown something and, and you think, okay, let's give him more time, but it doesn't last. So, you know, I, I sort of like, I've, I've said this almost jokingly, but I kind of think it's real. Like I think they might just not have a good power play bumper player right now. And, you know, I wonder if there's other like Jake DeBrusque has played a little bit of bumper in the past. I wonder if they try him at some point, but obviously you're getting late enough in the season that like, you're sort of running out of time. You, you know, sometime in these next few weeks, like you'd really like to settle on something and have something consistent going into the playoffs. But I think they're still struggling to find that. I also don't like geeky taking the opening face off on a power play because he's not good enough on face offs. So no. And that's possession gone in the first, yeah five seconds of your power play yeah. with your, like with your sharpshooters on the ice, like the guys that you want to be in the offensive zone set up for the longest period of time on your power play. Um, in my mind, I'm not saying that they have, and of course, by comparison, no one's going to be Bergeron, right? And that's what the Bruins and Bruins fans are used to watching on the power play in the bumper that's nobody thought anybody was going to come in and do what Bergeron did uh, with that position. It was always going to be at least somewhat diminished compared to that. In my mind, Charlie Coyle is the best option for uh, on that power play unit and on the bumper, because first of all, 
He's very rarely losing possession. He wins a lot of face-offs. He, he doesn't turn the puck over and he's good at retrieving pucks. He's strong, like, and he can play the bumper. I, I, you know, what are the other better options than him at the bumper? I, it's not so far. We don't have one. So in my mind, Charlie Coyle's taking your opening face off on the power play and then transitioning to, to play bumper or, you know, move up and down the slot switch there is your better option than geeky and I think better option than Zaka. I'm not saying Zaka can't be on the, you know, on, on the power play or the first or second unit, but I think Coyle is the better face-off guy and better bumper option. Um, so that's, that's what I would do. And I'm not the coach, but. Yeah. I, I think like Coyle's had some, even five on five, like some good finishes around from around that area. And you see that and it's like, okay, that's, pretty tempting like that should work i i think one of the issues with coil is i i think he plays too slow at times and i think that's and now at five and five it can work but on the power play i think in general the bruins have had an issue playing too slow with guys you know get a pass but then don't move it right away and kind of settle it and look around and like now the defense is already reset and i think coil can be guilty of that too so if you're if not moving the puck quickly enough is already an issue like coil doesn't really help solve that and potentially makes it worse so it, i i'm kind of with like right now of the options they have i would lean towards coil so it's not this isn't even like i wouldn't use him there i i think i would out of the options they have yeah um but I also see the the flaws. Like I also see why Montgomery's hesitant to do it. Yeah, but like the details of Coyle's game are solid every night, right? Like he might need to move the puck a little faster, but you know what? So did Kudzaka. Like it, it, I think he's the best option. I'm I'm not saying he's you know Bergeron because he's not, but that's in my mind the way that he plays is more conducive to power play possession uh, and, you know, putting in rebounds than any of the other guys that they've used at bumper. And it makes me wonder why, like, why hasn't he gotten a more extended look there? Cause he's, he's out there occasionally with the top unit, but it's like usually to take a draw and then get off the ice and then someone else comes on. And we can talk about Van Riemsdyk too, because he's usually on the top power play unit. And that's where he, you know, that's his, probably his biggest asset to the Bruins is, net front uh power play and what he can do screening goalies and but we haven't seen him add all that much besides that in the past few games i mean when we do our up and down segment he would be a down i mean he's on the fourth line right now um and some of the some of the guys that have been called up have had better games than him over the past stretch i also i didn't like the timing of when van reams got bumped off the first unit because you know, he's had a lot of those chances this year where he tries jamming it from the post. And I do think at times that's a low percentage play, but he had actually like scored a couple goals right, like two games before he got moved off, you know, using that move, like from that area. And it was like, then they had one quiet game again and he gets moved off. And it's like, 
kind of feel like maybe you should have stuck with that a little bit longer. You know, like at least it was something that scored that produced a result, yeah. which they desperately need because right now not much else is. Yeah. I mean, last year they added Bertuzzi at the deadline. They tried him on different power play units. Like if they add a, a middle six forward, you could add another element to the power play. Like this is part of my way of thinking about what they need most. Um, and just a little bit of um, maybe someone that can play the bumper or maybe another option that can be dangerous as a winger, like on, on one of the flanks. And I personally lean that way. I understand there's good arguments to be made for a defenseman, but um as long as Lindholm is healthy by then, like, because he hasn't played uh, in the road trip at all. Um, and as long as, uh, as long as the defense seems like it's going to hold up, I'm not a hundred percent like in on the big move being a defenseman, right? Like you could make a move there, but like, if you're really going all in on a big move, I would rather see a, a like a second line forward, middle six forward. I somebody that they can bring in and, and plug in on their power play. That's just where my head's at. Um, and <laughs> Scott, I see you. You're looking something up. Yeah, well, because I was just thinking. So the Bruins obviously change out bumper and net front quite a bit. They've rotated through. The three mainstays on the top power play unit have been Pasternak, McAvoy, and Marchand. And obviously Pasternak's one of the best power play weapons in the league. No issues there. I do think at times they get a little too over-reliant on trying to set up him in the left left circle. And sometimes, you know, they need other options. And that got me thinking, like, what are... Are, are Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand dangerous enough scoring options on the power play right now because it doesn't feel like it and sure enough charlie mcavoy has one power play goal in the season i get that his primary role there at the top is distributor but like he's still I, i've always thought he needs to be more willing to shoot and, and more willing to attack downhill and it i don't see it enough and then I was looking at Brad Marchand, who does have seven power play goals in the season. But you know how many games it's been since he scored on the power play? It feels like a while. It feels 19 like... 19 games. Wow. January 13th was the last time Brad Marchand scored a power play goal. Like, that... he's He has to be more of a scoring threat. And, and I feel... like So I haven't... I didn't dive into shot numbers, but... I feel like his shot total will be lower than it should be during that time too. It just feels like we know he's a pass first player and he always has been on the power play. And that's fine because he always for years had either Pasternak on the other circle or Bergeron in the bumper as an option. Well, if you're not getting the production out of the bumper, like Brad Marshall needs to be more of a goal scoring threat. And I, and I don't feel like he has been. And so for a second, I thought it was muted. Sorry. Uh, on the second unit, they had uh, Brazo for one of the games. Um, 
Might as well try anything. I, that's what I'm. I'm. I'm for it. Throw him net front if you don't want. <laughs> if you don't want, I don't know. Um, he's obviously a, a different style of player than any of the guys on the top unit that currently are there. Um, I mean, it's a huge promotion from someone who we didn't know was going to make an NHL debut during the season at all. Uh, but why not? He's got a nose for the puck around the net. I'm okay with trying it for a little bit, but I mean, you got to try something. So 